You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect fire. Everybody, we're going to count it down in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I am Father Peter Musset. And we are recording live this week from staff training at Camp Boitiwa up in Jamestown, Colorado. And this is awesome. Yeah, and, and the people you hear in the background for those thousands of people who are not here with us are the <laughs> staff for Camp Boitiwa. Let's give it up for you guys. Yeah! <laughs> We blew it out again. That's the best. We keep blowing out the speakers, which is awesome. It's good. We can keep going. Uh, we did not hear the echo. That's the best. You guys, I have to say, I'm like really impressed with you guys. As awesome. I, like, like over the last day and a half that I've gotten to meet you with you and like kind of get to know you, you're like I've gotten to know some Waitiwa staffs before, but you guys are, are really special. And it's totally awesome to be able to do this podcast with you. So by the end of this, if you're totally asleep, you're going to be like the rest of the listening audience. That's like, yeah, so yeah, it'll, it'll be great. So, so, so before we start recording, we were talking a little bit about, so some of you have listened to us before, some of you have heard of us, some of you have no clue. You might still not know who we are, but we were talking about sort of where we came from, and we were talking about back when I started working for Father Peter, he started asking me to do little recordings, little reflections on the Sunday readings, he said they were ridiculously boring and he hated listening they to me. They were totally boring. Thanks, man. <laughs> so he said, why don't we start having a conversation? We talked about this. There's this really important Hebrew concept. The ancient Jewish people talked about what they called a havarim, which was... The, the faith, nobody would study scripture alone. Right. The scripture was... was um, it was an expression. Or if you did, you would then bring it to your havarim Got to it. discuss. And so we wanted to have our own little havarim. And so you guys are a part of that today along with the other thousands of people who get a chance to listen in their trucks while doing laundry, um, while- Some guys building rocket ships in Russia. Yeah, and training uh, like cosmonauts and astronauts. We sometimes get people to send in like emails about like, what do you do when you watch the podcast? And we get the craziest stuff. Like there is a guy who makes rockets for the US um, NASA over in Russia. There's a guy that makes mutants in a lab in a university in Maine or something. Yeah, we have- It's awesome, a lot of truckers. Lots of truckers, lots of housewives. We're big in Malaysia. Big True in story. Malaysia, so what's up to Malaysia? Woo woo! Um, <laughs> well, normally this is the moment when we like go off about a lot of things that really don't matter But it's all. getting dark, so we probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, so we're, we're gonna just like get, cut right to the meat now, of the chase. Now first of all, I have to say something first before we get to the meat of the chase, that okay. would be weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, we had burritos, so. What do you notice about me? Funny. I usually have something in front of me that's not present this week. Do you notice what it is? Um, a beverage? <laughs> no. Um, what do I usually have a lot of in front of me? Books. I usually have a lot of books. No, no, he has like silly numbers of books and notes, and it's strewn all over. It's awesome. So here's the thing. I'm not a competitive person by nature. I'm just not. I'm pretty laid back. <laughs> However, there's weird things that set off my competitiveness. So earlier tonight, after dinner, I was walking up, and I was talking to my good friend, Samantha Matika. And she was saying, you know, I was so disappointed the first time that I saw a live Lanky Guys recording 
because you have all these books in front of you. And I just assumed you just had all this on the top of your head. And I was like, oh, I am not using a single book tonight except the Bible. So I'm not using any books tonight. Matika, what do you think of that? Yeah. Sorry, that sounded really negative. <laughs> I got the Bible, and I have a note here. Well, this is the thing, though, is that, that there, um, I got a chance to meet some people who have been listening to Lanky Guys, especially Emily Boss, who I've totally ruined her whole experience of what it's like. <laughs> Look at how to, giddy she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah she's out. giddy. That's a shout-out right there. <laughs> and uh, she, But I ruined her whole image of who mm. I am. Like She met me, and she was like, this it was is bound to happen. Yeah, she's like, she's like, gosh, this guy's smart and nice and kind <laughs> And then sooner or later, uh, I know she didn't say any of that. She just was shocked that, that we're like real. We're real human beings and we're radio personalities. And I have a face. I wouldn't go that radio. far. <laughs> ah, yeah. Get it. Oh, Johnny just got that. That was awesome. All right. So we are. So, again, I, some of you guys listened to us for some of you hadn't. What we do. We take the four Sunday readings every week. So four being the psalm included. So the Old Testament, first reading, the second reading, the well, the first reading, the responsorial psalm, the second reading, and then the gospel. And we try to kind of unpack a little bit of the background and find the common thread. Try to figure, okay, why does the church want us thinking about these particular readings in, in relationship to each other? Um, which is really fun. So you guys who are listening, you probably know that. So we just finished... Um, Easter. Easter. <laughs> yeah, and we, uh, Pentecost was last week, and we're like, we're like going like headlong. We're barreling into other great feasts. Yeah. Most Holy Trinity this week, most precious body and blood the week after that. And, you were really into this. You're putting your whole body into the church going, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, normally, you guys, I'm like chilled out on like a lounge chair, and I'm like, just like, I'm That's like kicked, out, kicked back. And But you guys, there's like lots of people here, so there's lots of pressure. I do have to brag, though, with my five-year-old daughter, Lily, who is here. Hi, Lily. Hallelujah. <laughs> but she, this was super cool. So on, I think it was on Sunday, and we were driving back up. We were downtown in Boulder. We were driving back up, and it was Pentecost Sunday. She's like, wait a second, Daddy. Isn't today Pentecost? Does that mean that the growing season starts tomorrow? She was like, she knows the liturgical cycles because the growing season is ordinary. It's not ordinary time. It's green because it's it's the growth season and it's it's the ordinal time. But I was just super pumped that my five-year-old knows the ordinary time. That's a shout-out to the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program, which I'm sure some of you listeners know about and maybe you're tapped into. It's, it's awesome. So anyway, that being said... That being said, let's dig in. So today is, well, the, we're recording this for, uh, it's it's the first Sunday in Ordinary Time, but it's the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. So it's Trinity Sunday. It's actually the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Whatever it is, dude. I'm it's, not, it's one you're gonna plus split hairs. one. <laughs> well, that's what I basically like said. times 10. So the readings we're looking at, our first reading is coming. Math. Enough. The first reading is coming from the book of, <laughs> of Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> I always do this. You do this. I know. Now, now you can you know what it feels like to be me. You can't say that to I a priest. Vindicated. It's weird when you know a priest before he's a priest because you, I should reverence you more. You should. That's, they call me reverend for sorry. a reason. I'm sorry, man. Anyway, so the first reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 4b through 6, and then chap- verses 8 through 9. And then we have the responsorial psalm. From Which is not a psalm whatsoever. It's not a psalm. It's a <laughs> canticle. <laughs> Indeed. The peanut gallery agrees. Everybody's slapped happy. It's burrito night here at Game Boy Everybody's crazy. It's from the book of Daniel. Daniel. um, Which is uh, chapter 3, verses 52, 53, 54, 55, 56. Couldn't they have just said 52 through 56? No, no. I figured out that the method is it's the verses. So they break it up according to what the. the, the, Oh, the the stanzas? The The stroves. 
Stroves, everybody. There's your word of the week. Okay. Yeah. Um, or word of the day. Our second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. And then our gospel is actually from um, every football stadium throughout all of I was time. I going to say it's the football verse. It's the football verse. Come on. What's the football verse, you, you guys? Very good. Wow. Through 18. Through 18. <laughs> so they usually I, don't have dude, that part. Nobody ever adds the extra like no. little bit at the other part, but they bit. should. But it was a little more complicated. It's all right. That, that's okay. So we're going to start with – Enough. I'm sorry. Indeed. I enough. Mean, indeed. It, that indeed. was subconscious. I didn't mean to say yeah, enough. Yeah, that's okay. Let's go. Let's dig in, man. Sweet. All right. So the first reading is from Exodus, chapter 34. Um, this, is, this requires a little bit of unpacking because this literally throws us into the middle of a narrative. One of the things we've been talking about as a staff – is the importance of narrative and story and realizing our place in it and where we are. And, you know, it's one of those things we show up, most of us show up to mass on Sunday and we hear whatever is read, but few of us actually take the time or have the time or the wherewithal or whatever to kind of dig into, okay, what, what actually is going on? Because we can, we're not, we're not, Catholics are not big on cherry picking verses from the Bible. They actually have meaning. They have context. So that's, again, that's part of why we do this con this podcast so that people can listen before they go to mass or maybe afterwards and be like, Oh, okay. That's actually what's going on when I hear that read in mass. So it's, it's like this. We read a, a word in the context of a sentence and a sentence in context of a paragraph, a paragraph in context of a chapter, a chapter in context of a book and a book in context of the whole. So that's how we do it. Nice word. This is how we do it. <laughs> yeah, I can't it, believe that got a laugh. <laughs> nice work. Dude, wow. No, you good. guys are hip. Okay, so, <laughs> so here's our context. Exodus 34, here's how it starts. It says, Early in the morning, Moses went up Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him, taking along the two stone tablets. Now, I also get a little bit frustrated because I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, we need the context here. So early in the morning, Moses mounted up Sinai uh, as Lord commanded him, and he took the two stone tablets. Where we are in the story is really important. So if you guys remember the story of the Exodus also, remember Israel is enslaved in Egypt for about 400 years, and there's the Passover, there's the, the slaughter of the firstborns, all this stuff, let my people go, the crossing of the Red Sea, they get to Mount Sinai, and they're like, okay, this is where God is going to give us what it means to be a freed people. So Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, and simultaneously, while he's up there, they see you know, Mount Sinai shrouded in smoke and fire and lightning. Everyone gets freaked out. They're like, crap, Moses has died. Can I say crap on the air? Yes. Okay. Moses has died. Uh, he's gotten eaten up by fire. What do we do? Let's worship a calf, right? Yeah, well, let, let's worship a god from Egypt because we're totally scared. And this god that we're supposed to be worshiping that we've fallen out of the habit of um, he's led us astray. We're going to die in the wilderness. This is weird. Oh my gosh, this is way too much. So they're like, hey, we know that, that golden calf that we were used to worshiping back back then. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's do that again. And, and so they did what they would typically do in worship, which would be they would rise up for a meal and then they would be caught in quote unquote revelry. Some translations say they rose up to dance. And they, they were it's not dancing and, the and way they were neither cries of victory or defeat. Anyway, the point is that is scriptural. It is. So that, I thought that'd be funnier for the people, but yeah, that's not. You'd okay. think, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you? But here's the thing. So most of us have heard the story. We know there's some sort of a golden calf. There's a cow. Why are they worshiping at Charlton Heston's there? You know, wh wh whatever's going on. Um, but why a cow? Well, like Father said, they're they're reverting back to the ways of Egypt. This was the most one of the most important gods 
in Egypt is the god Apis, who was represented by a cow. And like you said, when you went to Apis's temple or went to worship, you would literally it was in the context of an orgy. It was it was it was pretty crazy stuff, and it was drunkenness and debauchery. Just say it. I mean, you know, this is the thing. There's a reason. It's not that these ancient peoples were all really drawn to cows. They're like, oh man, I just want a gold cow because <laughs> that's where it's at. They're like, no, we know what these worship ceremonies are like. There's a reason that they go to these places and they want this stuff. It's comforting to them, and it's pretty bad. So that's what's happening down below. Now, Moses— He he comes down from the mountain, having been face-to-face with God. He's carrying the tablets. He's like, yeah, he's feeling good. You guys were up on the mountain recently. You know how you're coming down. You're like, I'm going to base camp. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to share the stuff that I learned. I've been face-to-face with God, and what does he see? There was that crazy group of school kids from Milwaukee, right? It's <laughs> 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 a true story from yesterday. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. They were just loud. Yeah. yeah no oh, offense yeah, yeah. to you guys in Milwaukee. Yeah, those, those. just loud. <laughs> group. But it's hard. You know, we were up on this mountain. We had this profound experience, climbing challenges, and it was like, and then they come down to just kids are just catching squirrels and like shoving <laughs> nuts in their mouth. <laughs> it was weird. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was there was one girl who had a shirt that just said "epic fail." She and, did. It was so and sad. and I was like I was like her parents should not let her wear that shirt. They no. should love her more than that. She Amen. has more dignity. Amen. She is not an epic fail. So Moses comes down <laughs> to something slightly different, but he comes down and he's he's frustrated. So do you guys remember what <laughs> Moses does when he comes down the mountain and sees what's happening? You can say it. He smashes the tablets. He throws them down, and he I threw it on the ground. Threw it on the ground. <laughs> Come on, this is got a good laugh. Yeah, this good. Is it. I never know what jokes actually take when we say these <laughs> either, on, like, in the studio. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I caught this in my notes, and I don't think I made this up. I think Ben Akers has this one. But Moses is the only person who broke all Ten Commandments at the same time. Huh? Come on, that's yes! awesome. That was great. So he throws them down, and he breaks them all, right? Um, there, there's so much more. There she goes. <laughs> There's so, so just ran out of here. There's so much more to this story, though. And I, I oh, gosh, one thing I just want to point out, because I saw in my notes and I was like, that's actually really cool. So we're, not, we're still not quite to where we are. But he throws the Ten Commandments down. And what does he do next? He actually makes them destroy that. Well, Moses himself actually destroys the golden calf. So what does he do? He slaughters a symbol of one of the gods of Egypt. And in a certain sense, what Moses has done is recreated the Passover. He's re- what, what is the Passover? It's the slaughtering of the lambs, which are one of the gods of Egypt. And actually, Apis is sometimes represented by a lamb as well, or a calf. Oh. So he slaughters that god again and recreates the Passover. He's redoing things. And then he pulverizes it and makes them yeah. drink it. It's just like Goldschlager now. <laughs> so if you... <laughs> If you guys ever want to recreate oh. the base of Mount Sinai Absolutely. in that moment, just like have some Goldschlager, and yeah. it will be kind that's of it, man. like that. That's it, man. All right, so that's that, and, and a lot of other stuff happens. A lot of people die that day. There's a lot of killing. It's, it's, it's a crazy day. So we pick it up in verse 4. Now, this the reading from Sunday picks up in, in the second part of verse 4, but I want to start at the beginning of verse 4. And this is where it says, so it gives, this is where I don't understand why the church didn't start just with the beginning of verse four. I don't, I don't get that because it would have given us the context, but it says, so Moses cut two stone tablets, just like the first. And he rose early in the morning and he went up Mount Sinai, just as the Lord commanded him. And he took uh, in his hand, the two, the, st- the two tablets of stone and the Lord descended in the cloud, just like he did the first time. And he stood with him there and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. 
I think this is a really fascinating line because if you know what's just taken place, now I'm not just saying about the golden calf. So they've just abandoned God. They've committed a adultery. I mean, God brought him out to the wilderness. You know, all the prophets said it was to woo them, to make him fall in love with him. The ancient Jews said the Ten Commandments were like wedding vows. God is marrying his people. And it, I've stolen this from somebody, but it was like the, the spouse is sleeping with the caterer on her wedding night. Right? She is totally unfaithful. She commits adultery. She's worshiping another god. This is a bad moment. And right after this, we're being reminded that our god is one of mercy and compassion, slow to anger. Now, why is that ironic? Why is it ironic that Moses is just now told that God is merciful and compassionate and slow to anger? Do you remember what just happened right before this? Is no. <laughs> Does anybody remember what remember. happened right before this moment in the text did in chapter thirty-three? That happened. That nothing. happened a couple chapters before. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. The Levites did. Yeah, yeah. Uh that happens a little bit later. She said Moses loses his temper. That's it. Yeah, so yeah. there's this weird moment. There's this weird exchange between God and Moses. And Moses is like, you know what? That's it. I'm done with these people. They're yours. I'm out. Moses, I'll actually stay with you. We can go start this promised land together, but I'm done with these people. And Moses, who's been brutally hurt by them, they've been complaining since they left Egypt. You know, turn the car around. We want to go back. We want the, the hot pockets <laughs> that they had back in, you know, Egypt. The 7-Elevens back in Egypt. You know, we want it back. Moses, you're a jerk. What are you thinking? You let us out here to die. And then they totally go unfaithful to God. They abandon him. They do all these terrible things. And so God's like, all right, Moses, abandon him. Be done with him. Let's go do this on our own. And then Moses, and Moses goes Moses into say? intercession and he says, no, he's, he's like, he's like, no, he, he's like, they're your people. Yeah. And like, you, they're your problem. You, they're your problem. I'm, I'm here, but you know, you, you got yourself into this. But he also said, he goes further than that. He says, no, I'm staying with them. You've made a commitment to us. If you want me, you've got to have them too. Which again, for someone, if, if you guys have ever been hurt so badly by a group of people or by another person to be like, no, God, I'm with them. You're stuck with all of us. And to not be, I mean, if I was Moses, I'd be like, yeah, let's get out of here. These people are ridiculous. Well, in some ways, doesn't. yeah, well, in some ways, this is a, this is a huge temptation for, for all of humanity is to make a name for yourself. And that's actually yeah. kind of, God says, okay, we're going to make a great name out of you. Moses and he's like, no, 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 no. These are your people. This is actually for you. And he, he he's able to actually navigate that kind of yeah. like Gladriel, which I think, <laughs> which nice. he was offered the ring, which which I Just think saying. is what God wanted him to do. I don't think Moses talked God out of abandoning his people. God knows what he's doing. He condescends to Moses to enter into this dialogue to test Moses's heart to 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 actually show Moses to be an intercessor, like you said, to intercede for these people. That's what God wants. And then after that whole exchange, God says, "Hey, just so you know, I am a God of mercy and compassion and graciousness. This is actually what I want. We're on the right track now. Now we can move ahead." And it's just kind of a beautiful moment. He again reveals his name. I am the Lord. That is my name. It's not like you said a name for my for ourselves. Yep. We're following his name. Yes. So that that's where we're set up. Even if it's like it says, a stiff-necked people, um, yet pardon our wickedness and our sins and receive us as your own. You're stuck with us, God. Which is should kind of be our constant prayer all the time. God, you are stuck with us. Please help us out. Make me a better man. Make me a better woman. Make me a better camp counselor. Make me a better whatever because you're stuck with me. Please love me and... and Make me who you want to be because I'm a mess. I think yeah. that's the only appropriate prayer for people that are serious about the spiritual life. Yeah. So that, that's our setup. That's our base. We usually spend the most time on the first reading because that's really the, the, the setup for everything else. Absolutely. And, and, and he calls them a stiff-necked people, which uh, is, is also churlish, if you guys are ever wondering what the word churlish means. 
means. Which you all were this morning. Because you guys sure. all watch Key and Peel, and I know you do. So, <laughs> churlish. I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. I just I just make pop references. So you guys know this. You guys are seeing the pattern. Do you now. guys know what he's talking about? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no. Oh, no. oh no! Oh no! I was like, yeah, we're churlish, on. insubordinate. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, let's move on to things I do know about. So the book of Daniel. So the responsorial psalm, this is weird. It comes from the book of Daniel, not the psalm, which the church can do this. It's a canticle, like you said. And every now and then it'll pull from some other source. Um, the part that we actually get from Daniel is in what's what's sometimes called the, uh, the apocryphal text. So our Protestant brothers and sisters actually don't have these particular passages. So this is the moment. So to put us in context in Daniel, Daniel 3, um, is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story? So the three, these three faithful Israelite people who are taken off to Babylon, put in slavery, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to bow down and worship this statue that I have made. I think it's of himself, isn't it? Well, and he, he renames them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. <laughs> but uh, they're uh, actually Hananiah, Azariah, Azariah and, Mishael. and Mishael. If you're ever reading the uh, the, the office, do the, pray the divine office, then that's where you get the Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, which are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a.k.a. LOL. <laughs> Just keep moving. Um, if you don't know the story, there's a very good VeggieTales version of it. That has to do with the rack shack and Benny with the chocolate factory. <laughs> it's a little bit freaky, though. I mean, I've watched it with the kids before. And I was like, are they really going to throw the VeggieTales into a big burning fire? And they, and they weren't. But anyway, um, you parents be discerning if you want to watch that one or not. <laughs> uh, so that so here we talked about this a while ago, didn't we? We talked about that. that well, I don't want to get into this. There's that famous story. Do you know the story of the, uh, the miracle at, uh, at Dunkirk? No, I don't. It's the story from World War II where there. Well, I'll, I'll condense it very quickly. There's the story in World War II. It's in the year 1940, I think. Is that right, Emmy? Yeah. Uh, June of 1940, and the German forces have just surrounded the Allies on this beach in France. And there's like 300,000 Allied forces from like France and and Great Britain and all sorts of places stuck on this beach. Germany has surrounded them. They are trapped. They're done for. Germany pulls back to kind of regroup. And they're like, okay, how are we going to destroy them? Yeah. The whole world is watching. And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? They're trapped there. Overnight, the, uh, the trapped Allied forces send an SOS back to Great Britain. And the SOS has three words. It says, but if not. And after that SOS comes in, overnight, um, Great Britain sends every rowboat, yacht, ship, tanker, and they literally evacuate 380,000 troops overnight. And the Germans are like, wait, where'd everybody go? <laughs> all because of that one message. And do you guys remember where that those three words come from? Where? Where's it from? It's the book of Daniel. And it's after this scene. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, you can throw us into the fiery furnace. We're not going to worship this thing that you've created. We're not going to abandon our God. And we fully believe that he's going to protect us and that we're going to be saved. Mm -hmm. But if not, that's where those three words come from, we do believe we're on the right side, that we're fighting for righteousness and holiness. And that's what the Allied forces were trying to say. We believe that we're going to be saved, but if not, we believe we're on the right side of this battle. Mm. And that's it was awesome. this scriptural knowledge wow. that the whole world had that launched them into action and was this great moment. So this passage comes right after they have actually received their salvation. They were miraculously saved from the fiery furnace. They lived through it. And after that happens, and, and Nebuchadnezzar is like, what, what, the, what the snot happened? <laughs> they launch into, and this is what, again, some of our Protestant friends don't have these passages. It launches into this prayer and this praise on the part of these three young men praising God. 
Now, I, that's where this comes from. Glory and praise forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of our fathers, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the reason I think that's such a neat connection is what's just happened. What was the first reading about? The first reading is all about, if you know the context, the people of Israel who are scared and threatened and horrified of death, they fall back to worshiping a big golden idol. And they fall because of that. Then in our responsorial, we get the same exact situation. Israelites who are faced with threat and death and danger are they going to worship a big golden idol? They say, no, we will take death instead. And their faithfulness in the light of that leads to their salvation. And this is the prayer of God, thank you for saving us. This is the answer that the first reading should have had. This is sort of the what if Israel had been faithful in that first stance. This is the what if. This is where it comes out. And so we sing that as our praise after having reflected on that first story from Exodus, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is, and it's it's all uh, temple imagery too. I mean, we're Ooh. we're because I mean we're in the the solemnity of the most holy Trinity, so we all we have to uh, again be seeing how is all, are all of these readings um, revealing who the inner life of God that He's actually trying to convey with everything that He is, and and that's really where um, they have an insight because of the fidelity into. Uh, they have an insight into who God is because of their fidelity. The more we're actually courageous and allow the Lord to be our Savior, the more we come to understand who he really is. And that's where, that's where their prayer is enlightened and, and, and amazing. I think you said fidelity, Ferdi- which is cool. That's fidelity. <laughs> the fidelity. you got to have some fidelity when it comes to the Lord. You do. They're not laughing at that. <laughs> it's okay. They <laughs> said it three times and they haven't laughed. Well, on the third time, they did laugh. Yeah, but only because you said but it. I don't know. It's all good. They like you. All right. Next, th- next <laughs> They do, and I like them. Uh, it's a mutual thing. It's cool. like, I, I like all of our listeners. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, except for that one guy. <laughs> I mean, whoa. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I still all do right. like you guys. Enough. You're cool. All right, so that okay. takes us to Second Corinthians. Second, right? first letter, of, second letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. To the Corinthians. At the very end, this is the end of the letter. This of is Saint the, his Paul closing. To the yeah. Oh. Which is no, actually, the end. which is a lot like his openings, which is really kind of funny. Yeah. Because he, he does the kind of um, the uh, the combined uh, uh, shalom Cairo uh, Cairo uh, Greek uh, whatever that yep. reading is, uh, but he does it at the end. So the Cairo uh, and shalom. Yeah. See, this is the thing is that's why I have a face for radio. It's, it's like <laughs> my brother keeps on telling me he's like, dude, you got to do this on video. And I mean, okay. I think it would be well. I think it'd be boring. <laughs> well, except it. for that, that was a great little hand motion hey, that you yeah, had. Yeah, it was kind of like um, what do you call it? A tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tyr- yeah. Now again, context is kind of key here. So it is. It closes just like it begins. But here's the thing about Corinthians. So, um, first and second Corinthians, they're two of my favorite letters in the New Testament. So first Corinthians, if you guys have read first Corinthians, Paul is so the city of Corinth is a disaster, and more specifically, the church in the city of Corinth is a spiritual disaster. They're very wise. They're very well, well read. They're probably well catechized. Paul was with them for about a year and a half. They know the faith, but they're incredibly prideful. They're really swelled up. This is the one where they're all rallying around different personalities. And they're like, I'm a better Christian because I follow Peter. I'm a better Christian because I follow Paul. Well, no, I'm a better. Yeah. Cause their inter- their whole entertainment was going to philosophical lectures. Yeah. I mean like you, a, a town that loves sporting games and philosophical lectures. I mean, that's like how the Corinthians were <laughs> weird sounding culture. Yeah, it really is. It's a little bit like a Council of World Affairs in CU Buffs games. That's true. Yes, I did just look at all of you, and none Three of you live of in you Boulder. Got that. Yeah, like, <laughs> some of you are like, that. oh yeah, I, I totally get that. And man. even That's you were awesome. wondering about so, it. Anyway, dude, he just gave me the thumbs yeah. down, man. You it. Oh, it's because oh. of CU, not because. Oh, of Oh, hold analogy. on. I'm sorry. That sounds a that lot was, like CSU. 
doesn't, though. Fort Collins. No, it really doesn't, Fort but that's fun. okay. Anyway, um, so the church in Corinth is a disaster. So 1 Corinthians is really Paul just ripping apart the church in a lot of ways. He excommunicates a guy. He calls them babies in the faith. He just says that they're childish. He's just constantly talking about how awful they are. I mean, it's a pretty harsh letter. It's very harsh, and, and, and I wouldn't want it addressed to me, I mean, truly. No, or to be the one who has to do it as, as a pastor, yeah. which you are. But something has happened in between First and Second Corinthians. We don't have... Uh, there might have been a letter in between. We don't have that letter. But we do know that when 2 Corinthians begins, Paul is on the defensive. And he begins the letter basically saying why he actually is a legitimate apostle, contrary to popular belief. So you can imagine the people in Corinth were so ticked off by what Paul said in 1 Corinthians that they're tearing him down. They're like, he's not legitimate. He's not a real apostle. He's awful. He's terrible, you know, creating all these scandals around him. So Paul yeah. sends all of 2 Corinthians on the defensive. Now, here's the key. Okay. Do you know or do you remember why, what, what the accusation of the church in Corinth was against Paul? Why is he not a legitimate apostle? Do you remember this? I don't remember, no. There's one fundamental reason. Anybody know why the church in Corinth thinks Paul is not legitimate? Because they cast lots for him? No. Killed Christians. No, not because he killed Christians. He, so, so who's alive? No, no, they don't really care about Jesus that. Jesus is alive? No. No. He was a Jew, but no. Because he suffers. Because he suffers. The answer is because he suffers. And they say, look, think about the Old Testament prophets. You have Moses, this big, you know, Charlton Heston, man. He's, you get this big, powerful figure. <laughs> he comes down from a mountain. His face is glowing for Pete's sake. And Paul was actually described. He was probably short. He was bald. He had a lisp. He didn't. He had a he speech impediment. He didn't. He, he, and actually, there's good evidence to suggest Paul's brilliant. Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. He's brilliant in his letters, but there actually is some evidence that in person he might not have been the most imposing, most, you know, um, impressive Gravitas, figure. Uh, He's great on paper, and that's one of their arguments. You're great on paper. You talk a big talk, but in person, you're nothing. And they did appreciate, like Keenan said, they did appreciate scholars and people who could speak well. And it turns out maybe Paul couldn't. And they say, you know, on top of all that, look, you're su you're always in prison when you're writing these letters, or you're shipwrecked, or you're sick, or you're being beat up by somebody, or you're being kicked out of some town. You're no Moses. You don't look like one of these big, <laughs> important prophets. You don't look wow. like Plato or Aristotle on Athens up the street. You just aren't very impressive, Paul. So for that reason, you're probably not a legitimate apostle. We don't really need to listen to you because you're a joke. Look at you. You're not... Who are who do you think you are? Well, see, this is the thing with Paul, though, is I think that he also knew that they were obsessed with yeah, um, totally. with, with entertainment and the big the big show of like yeah. the great rhetorician. And so, I mean, like he says, I he came, says in First Corinthians, yeah, I, I came uh, saying that I'm going to preach nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, not with eloquent words, not or with wisdom. eloquent words, and yeah. uh, and so he just goes and and like and so how does he preach it? He preaches it through his life, and that's how he's talking to them, and it's really upsetting. I mean, like you think about that for yourself. I mean, like sometimes you guys are looking and, and you're going and, and you're hearing some priest and you're like, man, I wish this priest was eloquent. I wish he was really going off. I wish I wish what he was saying was was it more entertaining, more, you know, more this or more that when in reality, none of like, you right now. No, 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 but. no. None of you guys. No, no, I mean, no, but or not right now. I mean, because <laughs> I'm I'm here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But this is the thing is, is you can understand the Corinthians position when you're like, I want something that's that's more exciting. That's actually bringing me uh, more than than just the Jesus Christ crucified. It's hard. Yeah. 
And what does Paul do? So Paul's response to, okay, you're not legitimate because you suffer. What does Paul do? He says, no, no, no. I'm legitimate precisely because I suffer. And if what you look at, if you look at me and you see you're nothing, you're balding, you have a speech impediment, you're, you're not impressive, you're always shipwrecked or, you know, imprisoned or beat up, guess what? That is my testimony because I am imitating Jesus Christ. And he also goes on yeah. to say, you will never mistake me for the one I preach about. If I look like garbage, praise be to God, because you're never going to make the mistake of worshiping me. Because the Corinthians are falling into that. Remember, that's the whole thing oh, with yeah. the personalities. Oh, I'm better because I follow Peter. I'm better because I follow Apollos. And he's like, you're never going to make that mistake with me anymore. Nope. Because I'm a wreck. And praise be to God that I'm a wreck, because you're never going to mistake me for the one that I hold within me. Amen. And that's the letter that you've just read when he closes with brothers and sisters, rejoice, because you're going to suffer too. Mend your ways. Encourage one another. Agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, etc., etc. He goes on in most of the letters saying, look, you're going to suffer. You might have not experienced it yet, so you don't get it. You don't get what I'm going through, but you will suffer. And when you do, guess what? Somebody's going to be there for you who has suffered greatly. And he's going to know how to comfort you and actually how to walk beside you, how to parakaleo you. It's the word where we get the, the word the paraclete, which is what we call the Holy Spirit. It means to walk beside. And Paul says, I will parakaleo you because God parakaleoed me. I will walk with you because I understand what it means for someone to walk beside me in my suffering. Yeah. So you're going to get it. Mend your ways. Yeah. You better clean up your act because it's coming. Yeah. And it's going to hurt. But I'm going to be here. And yeah. God's grace will be there. Again, I'm reading all this in light of the Exodus, though. This was a hard moment. We, yeah. we, we write off the Exodus story like, oh, man, this idiot people, they just started worshiping a cow. No, they thought their leader was dead and consumed by fire on top of a mountain. They are homeless. There's a big army on the, the, on the back end of them that's going to slaughter them if they go back. There's another army on, in Canaan who's going to slaughter them if they try to move forward. What do we do? They're in a legitimately hard spot. And to think, well, what fools they were to fall into these old ways. No, they did not know what else to do. And so reading this in light of that, you're like, no, suffering is going to come and it's going to hurt. What are you going to do when that comes? And Paul says, if you understand God's grace, if you understand the reality, you will throw yourself just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to be thrown into the fire because they knew the end of the story. Yeah, and I want to make something really kind of specific. Uh, I want to make a specific point with all of you. This is a divine pattern. So we talk about this, and sometimes, sometimes you can say, oh, yeah, that, that, okay, we can look at all these, these great patterns in the scriptures. We can look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Moses. We can look at Paul. But the reality is, is this is meant for you to understand how your life is actually going. The revelation of the Trinity doesn't happen if you're like everything's clean and clear and you're like cruising and you're sailing, you're in flow, and it's amazing. I mean, sure, yeah, absolutely. There's some great feelings in the midst of all of that. Everything it's is awesome. <laughs> Everything is cool when you're, you're part, part of a team. team. I mean, like, the, right. like it, God, the revelation of the Trinity doesn't come when it's all nice and clean in your, li in your life. Right. But it comes when it's all crazy and you're suffering and you're like, I don't get this. What the heck? I did not sign up for this. This is not what I asked for. This is not what I do. I am not a toucan. <laughs> if you get the reference, you're smiling really big right now. If you don't, don't worry about if it. If you don't. Um, oh, I had a really good point until you totally blew it out of the water <laughs> with the toucan line. Hey, man, toucans. Um, Oh, and Paul's point, again, what's Paul's point is that if you don't know what that means, if you have no idea what Father Peter's talking about, you will. Trust me. In some way or another, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not, suffering will come. 
That's the question of the Christian life, right? It's going to get real. But the question is not, you know, when I was, I used to think at one point in my Christian life that what it meant to be a Christian, this is what a lot of Christians believe is the health and wealth gospel. If you follow Jesus Christ, everything's going to be great. God's going to bless you in very material ways. You'll get a nice house, a nice car. God wants to bless you, and that's wonderful. It's kind of the, the you know, there's the big Protestant megachurch, certain, certain health and wealth gospels. That's not it. If you follow Jesus Christ, you will suffer. If you don't follow Jesus Christ, you will suffer. It's going to come one way or the other. The question of Christianity is what do you do when it does? Yeah, everybody's got to suffer. You can either suffer pursuing the Lord's will or suffer avoiding it. Right. That's it. Your call. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> And that, I think, I think is a perfect segue into our gospel. The yeah. gospel of John, right? That's why it's at football games. Yeah, yeah. And, no, the, and they why. held that up for all the football teams that are losing. Just like. So, yeah, that's true. They do. So, now I want you to use your mind for a second, and I want you to think about the gospel, which we're about to read again, which you all know, in light of everything that we just talked about. So suffering is going to come, and it's going to be real, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be big, and you're going to be faced with this question, do I give in, do I submit, do I turn back to my old ways, or do I throw myself into God's mercy? A bunch of us yesterday went off of this ridiculous Tyrolean traverse, oh my which shot us 90 feet above the earth on this little, on this little line, well, clipped in with these harnesses. The question is, are you going to jump? Are you going to trust that God is going to catch you like that carabiner, like that rope, like that harness? Are you going to trust that and be willing to jump out into the unknown? That's what this is about. And if you're thinking about that, which is what the church wants you thinking about, and then you hear the famous football passage, for God so loved the world. Why can you trust that? Why can you jump off that cliff? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life, no matter what you're facing. Because this is the thing, is that why is he comforting us? Say that everyone who believes in him might not perish. That's because you're afraid you're going to perish. He's speaking directly to the fear of what's actually happening when you start to really get cut to the quick. That's it. What? Cut to the quick. Cut to the quick. To the quick. I mean, I'm not talking uh, banana quick. No, or, man. Or strawberry banana quick. quick. Sounds awful. It's good. Chocolate quick. Yeah, so, chocolate quick. And, and here's the line that's really the kicker. Again, because I want to really think about this in light of the first reading in which people fell to a tremendous— the Hebrew people called the golden calf thing the second fall. They put it on par with the sin of Adam and Eve. They're like, this is the second fall of humanity. This is a big deal. And so after the Gospel of John, after John telling us— by the way, th this comes at a point, so context-wise of John, this is right after Jesus finishes talking with that guy Nicodemus. So remember Nicodemus? He's this Pharisee. Uh, right, he's a Pharisee? Yeah, yeah he's a Pharisee. Isn't, isn't he the one who was like, how can I be born again? Yeah, he said, uh, you have to be born again of water and the Spirit. He comes to him under cover of night because he's kind of freaked out. He's like, I don't know about this guy. And Jesus is like, you have to give yourself. You have to be born again. You have to be baptized. You have to die to yourself. And this is the kicker here because what is, I mean, if we understand this correctly, everyone who believes in him will not perish. But what is going to happen to every single one of us? We're going to join a parish. Ah! What, <laughs> what is inevitably going to happen to every single human person? Die. We will perish, right? So you can read this and be like, oh, the Bible's dumb. It's just fancy cloud in the sky stuff. We're all going to perish. But no, if you understand the story, everyone who believes in it might not perish but have eternal life. What's, what, what we're being asked to believe, what Jesus does, I mean, this is prefigured with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go to their death. They're buried in a fiery furnace. And a couple days later, guess what? They pop right back out. 
What does that remind you of? I mean, this is what Jesus does. If you are willing to face death head on, and not just death, because I, I think few of us are going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, but the little deaths every day, the little things that we're yeah. going to have to suffer. What is suffering? It's a participation in a kind of death because it hurts. And little pieces of us are going to die if we sacrifice this part mm-hmm. of my life or I sacrifice myself or I do this for that person. We're going to die a little bit. But if you're willing to face that head on, even if it's genuine, real, mortal death, the reality of the Christian life, if you know the story, you're coming back. That cannot defeat. There's nothing anybody can do to you. What the worst thing someone can do, they can kill you. What happens if that happens? You're getting your body back. You will resurrect. You will be resurrected. Let's be clear on the grammar there. But then again, thinking about that in light of the golden calf, here's what John goes on to say. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world might be saved through him. Well, what's the idea? We read the Old Testament. We're like, oh, these idiot Israelites, they're worshiping the golden calf. It's just like the people on my campus, or it's just like the people over here. It's just like this fret. They're so terrible. They're so sinful. They just, you know, they, they're, they're governed by their appetites and sex and drinking and everything else. What jerks, what idiots, what fools. But that's the opposite of what John is saying. No, no, no. You're focused on the wrong thing. God didn't come to condemn the world. He wants to save it. He doesn't want to stick it to the Israelites. You idiots, you worship the golden calf. No, he wants to save them. He wants their, we talked about Noah the other day. God didn't want to destroy the world in the flood. He wanted a guy to take a really long time building a boat so he could call them to repentance because he wanted them back. God's not thirsty for blood. God's thirsty for souls, and he wants our lives. And that's what John is reminding us of, despite everything that we're facing. Which is, and, and he entered entirely into it. I mean, this is the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. This is, a, this is the combined act of God to rescue us. Who? Why should God consider us? Why should actually the Lord think of us how small we are. I mean, we're, I mean, in some ways, like you can look and you can look around and you can say, it's like, um, uh, you, you know, um, one of the, the agents in the matrix, he's like, humanity, you smell terrible. You're awful. I can't believe like, and you can look around and you can exactly like what you're saying, man, you look around. It is burrito night here. It is burrito night. And there's <laughs> some bad smells happening after that is good smells. Um, but the <laughs> that just got weird. Yeah, it did. Hey, cool. <laughs> but this is, plow through. yeah, this is the thing though, is that you could say, what is, what does God care for us? But this is, that's the, that's the beauty of the inner life of God is that they, that it is comprised entirely of love and salvation to invite us back in. And that it makes, it takes nothing. It is like the smallest act of the will that takes for us to be able to be invited into this, uh, this eternal life that's promised. Um, I love the, this imagery, though, like the fiery furnace of Daniel. is a, It's a kiln. I mean, you mm. can't, it's, it's to fire a pot. Yeah. And, and how I, I was a potter. And, and as you see, you a are pot, a potter. I am a potter. I, I mean, I, but I am not very hairy. So that makes a, a big difference. Um, you know, <laughs> that was a good sound. <laughs> we got a boo a, from back. We got a boo. This is this boo. is polarizing. Right. I like it, but but that's it. It's 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 this image of the resurrection of this invitation right. into eternal life. Right. When you fire a pot, it is going to last until forever. Archaeologists are gonna they're gonna be studying it, and that's why it's like no, this is actually what we're invited into is to spend eternal life with the, with the Father, Absolutely. the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Yep. Well, it's time to bring it in for landing, which I'm always bad at. Yeah. But we want to, first of all, thank you guys for being here. Um, thank you for being here tonight and for listening to this podcast and this live recording. And hopefully um, you have some things to think about as you're heading to the Holy Trinity Sunday. Um, thank you for being here this summer, though. I want to say it on air to the 5,000 or 1,000 so people who listen. 
we are really legit. We're legitimately standing or sitting in front of um, what I think are some of the best young Catholic leaders in the world. And Truly. you guys are here with us. And I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be doing this podcast with you. Um, and we're super pumped you're here. So I want everybody who listens to this across the world to know about you guys and to hear about you and to be yeah. praying for you all summer long because you got your work cut out for you. Yep. Um, Thank you guys for listening to us. Thanks for being here every week. Send us an email. Link you guys at thomascenter.org. Find us on Facebook. Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter. Tweet us on Twitter. Pin us on Pinterest. Pin us on, don't pin, we don't have a Pinterest don't account, have a Pinterest but account. that's okay. That's not good. <laughs> you can go and listen to Share it with your friends in Bangladesh. We're looking to get big there. Um, so We might be. Maybe they just haven't sent us yeah, any Yeah, yeah. So if, you, if you're listening from Bangladesh, you know, send us a note. We'll give you a shout out. And Absolutely. we'll come visit you, too. Probably not. No, but we actually, Scott won't, but <laughs> I, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll come be your friend. All right, you guys, have a great week. We will be back next week with another episode of The Word on the Hill, and we will see you then. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.